When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. An Elio's Original Menopause is coming and the men have all left town But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown Could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Spermcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Spermcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you. I just love this interview so much, and my guest, he's just so wonderful. I can't wait to share it with you. So we're just going to jump right into it. But first, I want to thank my patrons real, real quick. Because let's be honest, I wouldn't be able to have this show without them. Okay. We have Ashley Wager, or Wager, I'm not sure which one it is, and Alicia, Alicia, Alyssa Spiro. Thank you two so much for making your contributions and subscribing to the Patreon. I don't have any updates for the podcast today, but tomorrow I have a doctor's appointment and I'll be looking at my uterine lining and we'll be figuring out whether or not this is the month that I can, you know, move forward with my transfer. So my fingers are so tightly crossed and I'll let you all know tomorrow on the Patreon. Okay, now we can get started with this interview that I love so much. You may recognize my guest from his years on Mad TV. He teaches and directs at Second City. He's got a show that he co-wrote that was running off-Broadway. He's headed to D.C. in a few days to direct a show at the Kennedy Center. And in today's episode, we get to hear how his beautiful family was formed. Frank Coyetti. Hi. Hi, friend. How are you, friend? In case you didn't hear that, his name is Frank Coyetti. Last time I saw you was probably when I took your headshots. No. No? I feel like we've seen each other around Where? since then. Just, At I.O. Yeah, I, just I mean, but it's been a little while since I.O. was open. Headshots head was what? Like seven, five? Five years ago. <laughs> five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Cool. But it's nice to see you. It's nice to Let's see you. Let's pick up right where we left off. Where Where did we leave off? I don't know. Well, before this, we were talking about alcohol, friends, boys. Boys. And um, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's all, you know, normal. The listeners didn't need to hear any of that stuff. They didn't. No. It was personal. It's too personal. The, the subject matter of this particular podcast is not personal at all. Not at all. This is just boring. How brave of you. Oh, come on. It's very brave. I'll say, I mean, thank you. I don't mean come on. I, I Thank you. I think thank that you. it's a t- it can be a very difficult thing to talk about. I think it was scary at first for me because I was like, am I going to, because it wasn't just like, am I going to do this podcast and and talk about all this stuff out loud and, and admit to the world that I can't find a man or whatever. But it was also, I was deciding whether or not I was going to pursue having a baby, <laughs> but like it, it was like a very big choice to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I think that was brave. But since then it's like, I'm almost dependent on my listeners <laughs> But I imagine it's therapeutic in some way for you. Yeah. And I also think as a person that I'm pretty stoic in many ways. Uh. So I find when you are open, 
you are met with openness. Mm-hmm. So like you're a very easy person to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so that's nice. But I think in general, my normal mode mm. is probably not as open. I hear you. I hear you. And so I think when that's you true. So when you put, when you're brave, you talk about really vulnerable things. I think that's what people are attracted to and want to listen to. Yeah. I like what you said about um, other people opening up too, because I do experience that and people share their feelings and stories with me and it feels good to, uh, I don't know, just be that person for them. I like when people share their feelings with me. Speaking of people sharing their feelings with me, there are a handful of you that have sent me emails. There are a lot of people that have sent me emails, but there are a handful of you that I haven't gotten back to yet. And that's just because I'm a dumbass. I mean, I'm not a dumbass, but sometimes I get your email when I'm down in the dumps or I am racing from one thing to the next. And I want you to know that I've received your emails, that they've pierced my soul, and that I plan on responding to all of them. So if you haven't received a a response from me, I'm really sorry. Sometimes the timing is just not right. Anyway, that's on the the to-do list this week. I love hearing from you. I just need to carve out the time to send equally thoughtful responses. And also, I think I've said this on the podcast before, so sorry to repeat myself. Okay, bye. I have a, I have a friend that I have known since junior high school, and he and I were lucky enough for a few years to do this gig together. He still lives in Chicago. I live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But we would always, he was just such a good friend, and we would always just always talk about deep stuff. Like, there was very little superficial. Mm. We just would see each other hit the ground running. Uh, I don't get to see him as much because that gig went away. But I still, I like that. Anytime I see him, we're like, we're into it. Yeah, there's no bullshit. Yeah, it's fun. I'm terrible at small talk. I think most people are. And it's, well, I mean, I guess I can't be that terrible at it because there's a little small talk (laughs) We're doing, I, I guess we're, doing <laughs> we're, we're doing it right now. And I guess when I oh, take headshots. the head weather sh- is so nice. <laughs> and when they oh. take headshots, there's like a lot of small talk that has to happen at first. But when headshots get good, when they get good, when I'm taking pictures, is when I start sharing shit about myself. Because then the person that's listening is like, they let their guard down and they can be themselves and they can talk about their own stuff or whatever they want to talk about. Boom. Boom. Personality on camera, acting, they win. They get jobs, but but in 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 as many ways, I mean, you are you are responsible to make them be at their most natural and Mm -hmm. comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. That's a skill, and that's why you know I let my house be really messy when they arrive, so they don't feel too (laughs) uptight. Oh, that's is that like a planned strategy? No, but that's the excuse I use when when they come and I I haven't cleaned yet. I go, well, it's just to make you feel more at home and comfortable. I feel I can use that with children. So you have children? I do. Oh. I do. I have two children. What? Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I do. Wow. See, I just okay. I'm not. I have no idea. Except I know. You want me to tell you my story? Okay, let's start from the beginning of my life, life. with children. <laughs> just ever. <laughs> no. Um. I guess the beginning of the the idea of having kids. When did you get married? I got married in 2007. Gotcha. We were married. We talked about in our family planning to having children. Mm-hmm. And she has an adopted brother. Mm -hmm. And so part of our family planning was talking about adoption in addition to having a biological child. Oh. So just to make it as quick as possible, long story short. You don't have to make it quick. We have time. (laughs) I'm going to go quick, though. (laughs) 
what I gotta if get you out say it all and we're done? Uh, and I don't have. Right. Okay, fine. It can, I can go say, forever. Though. I, I, so you're gonna have to oh, ask okay. questions and stuff. Okay, okay. Because the process is right. Okay. Intense. Okay. We tried and had and encountered some difficulties, as things that you've experienced, and that many people do. Mm-hmm. And we were finally lucky enough to conceive, and we had a daughter. Oh, how? Just, she's eight now. Um, so we were lucky enough to have a daughter who's now eight. She's in third grade. She's mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I you guys her. did IVF? Or no. just uh, some, it just, you tried for a while. And, and just, we were having some difficulties. We had to look at some stuff. Oh, do gotcha, some gotcha, things, gotcha. But we ended up, we're lucky. Yeah, 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 cool. Then we were interested in adoption. And in particular, my wife... Rachel had worked at a nonprofit in Hollywood working with a lot of former foster youth. So she Uh got interested in that population. And there's so many kids. And Los Angeles County has more kids in the foster program than like 46 other states. It's gigantic. So she felt really connected. And when we were talking about it, because there's many routes that you can go with adoption, what we ended up deciding was going through the county which is a f- always a foster to adopt situation. Okay. Private adoption Which is means you start out fostering and then after a certain amount of time, you can potentially adopt. Correct. Okay. Okay. We'll get more into it, I'm, I'm assuming. That's it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> so, yes, that was our intention. Okay. So, you, we went to like an informational meeting and that was kind of kooky. I don't remember much about it other than it was kind of a mess. It's uh, just for for you to learn the the like what to do. Do you want to get certified as a foster parent? Gotcha. Here's what you need to do. Blah blah blah. I'm curious. I want to go to one okay. of those. You should. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I also highly recommend. We went through an agency. Mm-hmm. Very Hollywood. Uh huh. Super Hollywood. <laughs> so it's like a guy wearing a Bluetooth, never sits at his desk, he's always standing. He's like, Frankie, hit me. What do you need? You want a baby? And I was like, yeah. So we did. We auditioned a lot of different babies. Oh my no, God. it was an agency, but it, it, I don't know what that means other than was it's it an, an adoption. Was it an adoption agency? Correct. Okay. They were called Skafa, which was, it's a, it's a Norwegian term. Meaning? No, oh. No, it's it's oh. an acronym. <laughs> Skafa. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's. An acronym, Southern California Foster Family something oh, okay. agency. It ended up changing names. It's now called Extraordinary Families. I cannot That's recommend more them That's Hollywood. Enough. It is. It kind of is. Extraordinary Families. families. You, but, so you recommend them? Absolutely. Okay. They're wonderful. Oh, my gosh. The people there, the organization there. Oh, my it's gosh. It's incredible. Okay. They're the best. Okay. You can go to extraordinaryfamilies.org. Org. And here's what their website says. It says, We are a leading nonprofit foster family adoption and advocacy agency dedicated to improving the daily lives and long term outcomes of children and youth in foster care. We recruit, train, and support high quality foster and adoptive resource parents. Oh, instead of adoptive, they call them resource parents. Uh, for children removed from their families due to abuse or neglect. We welcome a diverse population of individuals and families to serve as resource parents regardless of age, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression, disability, marital or domestic partner status, political affiliation, or ancestry. Resource families are viewed as members of a team providing individualized care so each child can reach his or her fullest potential. If you're interested in adoption for the listeners... 
Yeah. Please contact them if you live in Southern California. They're amazing. Oh my gosh. We were, we they were so helpful and they continue to be. We still have a relationship. We go to extraordinary I've families. I've already forgotten events. the name. Oh, there you go. Not Skafa. It used no, to be. No, I was Skafa. thinking extreme families. Extreme families. <laughs> now that's like in Moab, like Utah. <laughs> People ride mountain bikes and like we're gonna get you a kid. Um, <laughs> so they're great. So we went to an informational meeting there, and that was like, this is good. These people are good. The county version of the meeting was just kind of, it felt like it was a mess. It was kind of incoherent. And so a few months later, we started classes at SCAFA, a.k.a. Extraordinary Families. You go through this whole process to okay, get so certified. Okay, so I'm confused. The first meeting that you went to was the county meeting or the agency meeting? County meeting. I see. And then you went to SCAFA Extraordinary. Yes, and they had their own type of meeting. Yes. I think we went to I think we went to an orientation there. We definitely took classes there. I see. Certification classes. Okay. It cost a certain amount of money. I don't exactly recall what it was, but it was well worth it. And is this the same type of class somebody would go to uh, if they just want to foster and not yep. potentially adopt? Okay. Yeah. So there were all kinds of different people there. People that were interested in fostering, people that were interested in fostering to adopt. Okay. All kinds of people. And it was actually really inspiring to go because it was super diverse, which is cool. Yeah. We felt like the boring white people there. And it was just really diverse. And there were gay couples and lesbian couples and single women and single men. And there was just, it was all kinds of different mm-hmm. ethnicities. It was cool. cool. And all of these people looking to help a kid, which is, I think that's cool. Yeah. So you go through the classes and it, you learn a lot. They prepare you as best they can. And I would say, you know, obviously it was like 24 hours of classes or something. It was really nice for my wife and I, too, to go, like, because it was a thing that we did on Thursday night Mm -hmm. together. Like, we had a little kid. At that time, our daughter was, I think, three. Mm -hmm. So, like, it was a thing that we did together. But sometimes it's tough. Like, you don't get that time because you got a kid. Yeah. But, yeah, we learned a lot. And it was, you know, it is a mix of, like, scary and... And enlightening and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, felt very inspired. And it's the most exhaustive process I've ever been through. Like, there's no stone unturned. Like, so you go through all these classes, and then there's a series of home studies and inspections, mm-hmm. which is cool. Figuring, hey, if we're going to, if we're going to let you have a kid who may have some trauma in your house. We want to make sure that you're not messed up as mm-hmm. best we can. And we want to make sure that you have a safe house and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot. Like, it was, the again, the most intense thing I've ever done as far as, like, being open and talking to people. Like, mm. they, don't, they don't assume that everyone's perfect. They're not saying that a, a foster parent has to be a perfect human being. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, like, okay, look, you're going to get a child that's likely going to have trauma how have you dealt with a trauma in your life? How do you manage it? Ba ba ba. Nobody's perfect, right? Right. And certainly, they they do way more checking than they would on somebody that has a, a biological child. Right. You know. Yeah. Like it is. It's crazy. Yeah. It prepares you, I think, and they're and they're pretty honest about it. Like, there's they're saying, look, you're you're a well adjusted adult. We're we we're the roller coaster is going to be on you. We're going to try to maintain as much stability for the child as possible because this is a child. Makes sense. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's not about you. If this helps through the proceedings for our son, through uh, foster to adopt, 
my son had an attorney. His biological mom had an attorney and DCFS has an attorney. We are not legally represented. We're represented in like what the social workers write in their reports and all of that stuff. But we don't have legal representation at that Mm -hmm. table at that point. So like it's an indication of like, hey, yeah, you know, foster parents, you're low on the totem pole. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the experience happened and we went through classes and we finished everything and and uh, you got a certification? Got certification. Okay. Which is required to foster. Uh-huh. All along the line, we're very clear about like that we're interested in fostering to adopt, mm-hmm. that we're open to and actually prefer a baby. Mm-hmm. Some people like I think like babies terrify them, newborns or, you know, young children. Cause that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um there was one couple in our our, our classes. I was so inspired by them, but it was uh, a lesbian couple. And one of the women in the couple had a child very young and she gave it up for adoption. Now she was a little older and felt more prepared and in a stable relationship and said, I want to now adopt. But their preference was a teenage gay or lesbian kid. Wow. You know? Uh, So I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Like... Kind of full circle for her, because I, I imagine she carried something with her, which was difficult, but probably the right decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found it so inspiring. And it's tough, because kids, as they get older, that they, it becomes tough for them to get adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids that are older have a little bit more say. So mm-hmm. they will. It's, there's a matching process. Interesting. With an infant, not yeah, so much. Right. So we told them all the stuff we were interested in, and we... We were not certified yet. We were supposed to go oh. down to the agency to sign the papers to be certified. We had completed everything. But we weren't fully certified. Oh. And we got our first call. Okay. So it was like, now I believe is, it was a Thursday. Who's responsible for this? Like, who's setting this up? The agency is is matching you, or yeah. or the or are are you looking through a book, or are or is the kid or the agency looking? I don't know who's selecting. What's happening? In our case, I don't know the answer mm. to that 100% of the time. There are different situations as kids are older mm-hmm. where like they will meet and spend a little time with prospective adoptive parents or foster parents. Uh, so they feel like they have a little control in the situation. And obviously, a kid who's a bit older, it's sometimes likely that they may have bounced around. Mm-hmm. It's bad news, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to give them some say, I think. Mm-hmm. For us... We, there was nothing that we looked at. There was no like database where we're like, that person, you know, yeah. um, was it like swipe right? Right, right, right. Is that the good thing or bad That's thing? That's good. Swipe right? Yeah. I'm married. I, <laughs> I know. know. But I've looked <laughs> at Tinder, a friend's Tinder profile, and it's, I can see how that would be addicting. Oh, it's, yeah, it is addictive. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, no, there was no database. We did, they just kind of knew what we wanted. So the county talks to these agencies because those are resources. So the county has does all the intake, and then they call the agency, and then the agency's like, we got somebody that's looking for some of these things, potentially. Gotcha. We'll call them. Okay. So I believe this is a Thursday. I'm pretty certain it was. And we're supposed to go down on Monday and do our certification. But Thursday, we get this call. It's like mid-afternoon, and we get this very... 
minimal demographic information, infant, African-American boy, uh, six weeks old, potentially exposed to drugs in utero, you have 15 minutes. Uh, What? (laughs) 15 minutes for what? To call back. Because they got to move on, man. Oh, my God. The kid was detained that day. Oh, sweet baby. Yeah. So we sat there and we talked about it for a minute and like it was like intense. Mm-hmm. It was very intense. I remember yeah. sitting there and just like, wow, this is happening. And we were talking about improv earlier. Uh-huh. And I honestly feel that improv informed this decision because I'm pretty play it safe. I'm like a uh-huh. cautious person, like in many ways in my life. Mm-hmm. I probably, I'll be completely honest, I probably wouldn't have done this without my wife's urging. I would have probably been too afraid Mm -hmm. just a scaredy cat (laughs) so i appreciate her bravery and willingness to put up with my scary catness (laughs) (laughs) my lack of bravery so we're sitting there and then i was just like yeah i think we should do this you know there were so many unanswered questions yeah we had no idea but they knew our criteria which was uh one of the things we were interested in like in a list of like it would be great if it were a boy, but we're open to it being a girl. Mm-hmm. It would be great if the the child is younger than our daughter to maintain like a birth order. Mm-hmm. So she, since she's first, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Open on race and in, in predominantly in Los Angeles County, it is mostly Latin uh, X and African-American, though mm-hmm. there are white and Asian kids and all kinds, but the predominantly that. Mm-hmm. So we get the call. We say Yes. And within two hours, the <laughs> child is there. No. Literally like... At your house? Yeah. My daughter had taken a nap. Oh and when she God. woke up, she had a potential brother there. Oh it was God. a lot. It was a lot. Oh, my But imagine God. his day. There's so many yeah. things that are heartbreaking about oh. this. There is this thing that kills me. It kills me anytime I think about it. They have to gather stuff quickly. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. It's very often black trash bags. So the kid's possessions are in a trash bag. That's, he's not cognitive of, you know, cognizant of that. But like, just that message, like, grab what you can. Because the detainment, hopefully it isn't too traumatic or dramatic. Detainment is such a terrible word. What is is it that you're describing? Well, at that point, they're taking the child from the parent. Oh, that's what's happening? Yes. They're detaining the child from... Correct. I thought this baby was sitting in a fo- uh, in a like no. some sort of orphanage, which don't exist. I know they don't. No, e- but he was with his mom. Oh my goodness! It's rough. Oh my goodness! Not to say that she didn't get ample chances prior right. to this. It wasn't like right. kick down the door, we're taking your kid. Right. There was all kind. There was a huge process that happened before this yeah. ever occurred. Do you know if you were the first call or not? Oh. <laughs> You've never thought about that? <laughs> I'd like to think we were a first call. I think we were, but I, my, my wife might be able to confirm that. I don't remember. I don't know why. You really, you ma- develop a relationship. It's just interesting. With the agency, in particular, your mm-hmm. person, your social worker who does, who asks you all of yeah. these really, like, qu- these questions. Right. It, they know you. The weirdest shit. Oh. Like, I was so forthright. I didn't really know what to share, but they were like, do you have pornography in my wife? In your ha- in your house, and I was like, I'll, I told her where my wife's dildo is, like, <laughs> like where our lube is, like, and I'm like, is that pornography? I don't know, like, 
<laughs> and, just, like, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we look at it online sometimes. Like, I didn't really know what to say. I don't think, yeah, people don't really keep that stuff around anymore, do they? No. Like, you know, they don't have, like, you know, stacks and stacks of yeah. Playboys. Yeah. Yeah. No, now yeah. it's all digital. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe digital people, dildos. Yeah, yeah. Digital. <laughs> you know, like, we're an adult couple that don't have a yeah. kid. Like, whatever. Yeah. We're not like, we don't have a fuck swing. But like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was. Is that know. what they're called? I don't know. I've never been on one. <laughs> I'll have to look. Someday, that up. there's probably a park somewhere in LA that has a park swing. It's called a sex swing. Here's position one. I'm gonna put my butt on the seat. My feet or thighs can go in the stirrup, and my hands can go wherever. This is ideal for penis vagina sex, penis anus sex, strap on sex if the partner wears it and puts it in me, or strap on sex if I wear the strap on and the partner backs up into me. Someone short or on their knees can go down on me, and if we wanna make it even more acrobatic, one person can sit on the seat facing outward while the other person uses the stirrups and handles to swing too. I can have my legs on top of my partner's shoulders, relaxed against the door for oral sex. Oral sex on my stomach. Someone could be here in front of me and another person could be behind me for more oral, vaginal, anal, or digital play. The sex swing gives me a lot of control whether I'm receiving, penetrating both or neither because I can moderate the movement. Wow, very informative and very cool. Christmas is coming up, so you know... So anyways, what were we talking about? Oh my God. Uh, you told your relationship with the social worker. She knew. Yes. She knew you guys. She was. Yes. Or he. So she, it was a she, this whole process dominated by women. Oh, interesting. I think it's an interesting thing for me as a straight white male mm-hmm. to observe this. And it's a little disappointing in my uh, opinion for men mm-hmm. and for just for, I mean, Los Angeles is a very diverse place, but I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't make venture a guess, but almost everybody we dealt with were women. Yeah. It's like, and it feels kind of, I don't know, like there's, why is that relegated? Why is that, you know, the same way that like, if, if my daughter, when she's 18 gets pregnant, we're responsible for that kid. Probably not the dad's family. Right, 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 right. Like, right. Why is that? Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. So I'm questioning these things. Yeah. And just an observation. But as far as the industry goes, I mean, it, it is like, we can't deny that there's a maternal instinct. For sure. And so, and of course, <sighs> but, but I don't but, know, but like why, I don't know. But maybe we can raise our, our young boys and we're starting to raise our young boys to be more, to for the the gender sort of roles to not be so specific. Yeah. there. I mean, we're probably in 2019, the most gender fluid we've ever been. We got somewhere to go, uh, plenty yeah. of place to go, right? And we live in Los Angeles, which is probably in particular sensitive to that as opposed to other places. Right. But I was just, I found that interesting I, and I didn't really know why. I mean, in some ways, I guess I do know why, but I, I just found it disappointing in some yeah. ways too that where are we? Like represent <laughs> dudes. What the hell? So he showed up. So the, det- so the yeah. trash bags, that's the worst. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they have their, they have their stuff. He shows up. And it's it, frankly kind of weird. This is the first time we've ever done this. There's this kid in her house and he seems, he's okay. Like both my wife and I are not afraid of babies and changing diapers and all that stuff. We were, you know, prepared. We mm-hmm. had a crib. We were ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the social worker that does the attainment you never see again because then you're assigned a different social worker. So this person, they do some paperwork. They talk you through. She's there for 
maybe 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, so. But that's not the woman you were, that's not the woman at the agency. That's different. Okay. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So this agency woman met our son, but Mm -hmm. not till later. Gotcha. There's a lot of handing off. Like people have different responsibilities. So from there starts the process, which is pretty intense as far as. And you and you feel pretty prepared for it through class and stuff, certification. You feel like you get an idea. Every case is different because the variable of what's occurring. And you learn in class that family law is, you know how criminal law is innocent until proven guilty. Family law is reunification unless there are no other options. Mm-hmm. So the law is trying to reunify with the biological parent. And I firmly believe rightfully so. Yeah. So they're giving them ample opportunity based on whatever the detainment was. It could be a myriad of things, homelessness, drug use, whatever. In our case, it was a little bit of both, but she had tested positive for drugs while she was pregnant. So she was flagged. Mm. She had to be in treatment. It was part of her court order. She couldn't maintain treatment. That's why he was detained. She's not a bad person. She's not incapable of love like Mm -hmm. this picture to me of what does the parent look like that lost the child you always kind of want to vilify that or what you see but it is it it's a flawed human being but not a terrible human being some cases i'm sure it is of course it is Mm -hmm. but in other cases it's it's real gray it doesn't feel black and white yeah like it all skews to this middle nebulous like Jeez, this is tough. And the Edelman Family Court, which is downtown, like east of downtown, I have a physical reaction to that place. Like I I walk in and I feel pressure on my body because it's all that stuff. So you see all these kids, you know, you waiting to go into the courtroom. Some of it is happy because some adoptions are happening there. But even still, every adoption, that kid was taken from a biological parent, we, what was their situation before? So it's just one of those places where I have a visceral physical reaction mm-hmm. to. And so I do not like that place and I, I don't want to go back. Though the last time I have been was when we adopted our son mm-hmm. and that was the best. Right. I, I spoiled it. Oh, I think we knew though. I think oh, we I knew, spoiled Frank. it. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Also, Jon Snow and Danny get together. <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen. <laughs> I'm going to ruin everything for everybody. Iron Man's dead, guys. Um, Wait, I want you to hold on because I'm freezing and I want to get a sweater. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And I'm back, and we're back. We're back. Okay, so, um, uh, where where, where did we leave off? We, I I ruined it. You spoiled it. You spoiled everything. No, 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 no. We knew what was coming, but it was, it's still a journey till you got to that point. So this, um, I I have multiple questions. Ask me. Uh, uh, did the woman want her baby back? She did. She tried. Mm -hmm. And she she did her best. Yeah. 
So we had visits. We had monitored visits. With her? Yes. So you, you got to know her, sort yeah. of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of an interesting and very complex thing because some of the, it's different. Again, every case is different. Some of the time, the parents are totally out of the picture. Mm-hmm. She was trying. She was really trying. We used to not, she would have monitor visits with a social worker, but then somewhere along the line, our son got real upset when my wife or I would leave the room. Mm. So like we would, she would get like two hours, three days a week. How old are we talking? He's two still, months old. He's still, yeah, very, very young. So we started, yeah, visits pretty quickly after we okay. got him. In your mind at this point, are you thinking this might turn into our son or we're, are you allowing yourself to love him fully or are you mildly detached knowing that there's a chance that the, that he might not be with you? That's such a good question. I hate to say it, but I felt like I was probably emotionally cautious a little mm, bit. Right. There's a lot of speculation and a lot of, a lot of factors that are so beyond your control. So I remember feeling like, hey, man, I'll take care of you and give you love and give you what you need, but I'm not going to fully give myself. Like the way that right. I, when my daughter was born, I was lucky enough, I delivered my daughter. Get like, the fuck out of here. Yeah. There's another <laughs> improv moment. <laughs> the, I totally thought that the that the doctor was joking, but like, do you want to deliver her? And I was like, sure. And next thing I knew, I was doing it. And I was I was not that. You were way. in a hospital room. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Hospital room. Sounds what else weird. Would it be called? Oh, delivery delivery room. room. <laughs> <laughs> One two three, Jake. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, if I'm being completely honest, because I'm a scaredy cat, mm. I attribute it to me. Being emotionally cautious and such a wimp. Uh-huh. If it were the 1950s, I would have been happy to be smoking cigarettes and drinking bourbon in the mm-hmm. waiting room. Like, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. it's not. Mm-hmm. You have to be there. But I was like, I don't like people that I love in pain. I don't like blood right. and guts. Yeah. This is not my jam. I'm going to stay up top. Right. I'll help. I'll provide counter pressure, things that we learned in prepared childbirth class, all that stuff. But I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it pretty. Yeah. Because yeah. I also, I was like, I don't want to make a moment that's clearly about me where I'm just like, huh, like yeah. just pass out, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like we got a dad down, you yeah. know, it's like, and then they're, I, and nobody's paying attention to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is, this is the most important thing in the room. Yeah. I mean, just another case of a white, straight white male making it about <laughs> him. Right. <laughs> so like, I was like, I didn't want to, but then I was so enthralled and excited by this process. Yeah. That I was in it. Yes. And I delivered her. It's crazy. And I'm so happy that I did. Yeah. And the moment that I saw her, just right, my emotions. heart just exploded, right? Yeah. With him, I felt a little more reserved. Yeah. You have to be careful a little bit. I don't know. I, know. I don't know either. It's. I feel a little well, bit I'm bad admitting like, that. I know. It must feel weird. But I think there was a part of me so hopeful, but just protecting myself. Yeah. And that's terrible to say. I feel really bad saying that, but I I do love him so much. No, don't. No, it's it's real. It's real. I love him so much, but I think at that moment initially, but the main point of that was I was resistant and very quickly he won me over. I was, I loved him so much. Like he's such a charming, special little fellow that I was like, oh man, I love this kid so much. (laughs) But the process, again, is so kooky. 
Yeah, like, I just wonder. Did... It's like long and everyone's speculating. And it's like, you know how like before the, they play a game on on the sports teams, they like all the guys are like, this is what's going to happen. Yes, and like, this yes. is what's going to happen. And you're like, well, nobody knows until they play the game. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's what I felt like we hadn't, we didn't know what the game was. We didn't even know when the game was. Yeah. And some of the things came true. Like the, the experts do know what's going to happen right. <laughs> sometimes or right. they can foresee it. Right. But for us, it's the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. You know? So it was again, being cautious and I'm just a scaredy cat. Yeah. But it was, we had him for quite some time, but through the visits, and then there was a period of time where the biological mom kind of disappeared. There was a a period of time where she was doing quite well, and I was like, oh shit, is Mm -hmm. he going to reunify? But then that's a really complex thing. Yeah, because you want him to, but you you want him. Yes. And you don't want to, it's really difficult to root against somebody, right? Like, I hope you screw up. So I win. Yeah. There's no winner, I guess. But you know what I mean? Yeah. His biological mom is a flawed human being. And I believe that she was unable to provide for him. Right. And in the long term is unable to provide for him. But she loved him. Mm-hmm. And she certainly demonstrated that in as many ways. Mm-hmm. Were there some like questionable things that I would see during visits, like monitor visits where I'd be like, oh, that's not a best, that's not the best parent choice. But it isn't about that. They're not trying to weigh like, hey, are you going to have a better life with this family as opposed to this family? They're basically saying, going back to the reunification thing, the parent has to demonstrate to us, we have to give them time, demonstrate to us that they are they are no longer capable of being the parent. And so then we have to, because it's an incredible burden to have a child in the foster care system, on the system, yeah. on the taxpayer, on everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially thinking about what you said about like three different lawyers for the the original parent and the child and the county. Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Yeah, that's... Yeah, the uh, for DCFS, yeah. Yeah. So it had its series of tumultuous kind of experiences and we kind of, we started to get to know her better through the visits. I mean, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was one time in one of the visits she said, he looks like you. Oh my gosh. Which is weird, mm-hmm. but really funny. But then you're like, oh, yeah, this kid's mimicking what oh. I'm doing with him. But I know for a fact he doesn't have any of my DNA. Right. And it's kind of strange for the bio mom to be like, he looks like you. <laughs> you know, you're like, what do you say to that? I was yeah. kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I got a goofy face. He makes goofy faces, too. Like, you know, but I'm like teaching him like high eyebrows. And it's like he makes expressions like me. Yes. Which I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And people would say that pretty frequently. As we were like raising him when he was a baby, like he makes, he looks like you. Yeah. Then at some point, there's two really big things in the foster to adopt process. When it goes from a foster case to an adoption case. Before that has to occur, there's something called termination of parental rights. Mm. Uh, All the experts say TPR. Okay. That means... They've done what they can, and now the parent is legally terminated to any parental rights to this child. Okay. The entire time that the the child is in the system, as I understand it, they are technically a ward of the state, like they belong to the state Mm -hmm. at that point legally. After the TPR? Before? The whole time. Okay, sorry. So they're not... I got distracted by that toilet noise. 
Is that a toilet noise? <laughs> yeah, somebody flushed in the Airbnb. Oh, it sounds like um, somebody's like got a, a, a recliner that has electric, <laughs> so, but it's like taking a really long time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the shower. It's cool. Are they? You have people there? Yeah. Okay, great. One from Spain, one from London. Oh. Err. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so okay. yeah. that's a big deal. And it's a big deal because that's when it becomes an adoption case, but also the biological parent is no longer represented. It's sad, too, though. Yeah. So as I said before, the Edelman family court, I just don't like that joint. Yeah. No, thank you. No. Again, admitting I'm a total wimp. Is this where everybody has to go? Yeah. Okay. As I understand it. Right. Maybe there's another Like everybody place, in but, the county or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. It is a very large building, entirely family mm-hmm. law and courts. So it's all that. There's no other stuff. Wow. So on the day of the parental rights, the termination of parental rights hearing, something occurred. We were both going to go, but then something occurred and our, I had to stay home with our daughter. <gasps> I volunteered. I was like, I'll stay home. <laughs> because I knew how tough it is. And at that point, the biological mom had been incarcerated. So this is a while. So we got him in July of 2014. Yeah. And this is now November of 2015. So like a year and three or four months. Okay, gotcha. So she, the mom had been incarcerated for, again, it was mostly just dumb stuff related to drug use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bad choices, you know. Uh, so again, f- empathize, feel bad for her. Yeah. But clearly unable to provide. So that didn't help her case. But there was a time where she was doing quite well and then fell off, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Uh, so in that case, she's brought from like the county jail to the courthouse. And like that's humiliating and terrible because you're technically a prisoner. <sighs> so you're handcuffed and you're in the outfit it's not a good look for anybody right right? like everybody knows nobody you don't walk by she probably hasn't seen her son in a while but he's not there oh okay yeah so she has not okay he's not at those most of those hearings he's not at okay He's represented, though, obviously. So, Rachel. <laughs> so I just pictured a lawyer dressed like a baby. <laughs> yeah, did I tell you that all of his representation is baby? It's like boss baby. So, like, there, there were times like, uh, Your Honor, I just pooped with my pants. I'm going to need a minute. Um, yeah, they, it's real fussy, and sometimes it takes a while because we're waiting on this baby yeah. lawyer incoherent oh. but the, the, the the judge can speak baby so it's oh good. good so they can yeah. just communicate yeah that's nice we we get we have a little ear thing like when you go to an international museum right. and they they tell you what's up or like, or like the, the u.n, UN. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so on that day this is this is my wife's story but she so she told me it so i can tell it yeah <laughs> So I'm not there. I'm comfortably at home, wimping out. You yeah. know, the mom shows up, and that's when there have been stays. You know, so like there have been things where it's like, oh, this could be it. We'll give you three more months. So things have extended. Now we're <sighs> we're getting to it. We we it seems like they're going to terminate. Mm-hmm. So they terminate her parental rights, which is just has to be heartbreaking. Yeah, they're saying. 
you no longer like it's horrible. Mm-hmm. You can't even imagine, right? Because of like all, all of that stuff, the emotion, the 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 biological link, all of that stuff. So Rachel doesn't is not seated up front because again she's not represented. Mm-hmm. But the mom asks, protecting her privacy as well. Put that mic closer to your face. Sorry, the mom. <laughs> sorry, I was <laughs> asks to speak to Rachel, and oh, it's the worst. She says. Thank you so much for loving my son. Mm. And I know that you will take good care of him. Mm. Like she said, she asked the judge, can I speak to Rachel? And like, so she's sitting there. It's so terrible. Like at your lowest, right? You know, handcuffed and Mm. humiliated and, oh. And so for her to think that, I was like, oh man, that's just such a beautiful human moment to say like, you know, this is the right thing. And I think probably to ease, she's a human, you know, to... Because there is something on our conscience, like about him and who he is and who is his link to his it, mom. Well, it must be such a great comfort to her, too, to know that her son would be in good hands. Yes. Hopefully. But, but, but she, she had that. That was her gut feeling. Yes. About you guys. And so that's, that's good. You gave her a gift. In she addition gave to, us a gift. Right. Of course. Uh, but you didn't just you know, waltz in there and, and steal her baby away. No. And I think some people have some boundaries and rightfully so like that they want to, it's so complicated. Right. I hear you. So people might not want to be at, have that much contact with the, uh, the biological parent because it would be more, make it more difficult. Potentially. Oh man. So it's all very complex. Yeah. It's super complex. Yeah. The most complex thing I've ever had to deal with. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. But it, a great day for us to a certain extent, yeah. right? It, it, was a, it was not a great day. We didn't celebrate. It was like a, whew, you know, because then it becomes an adoption case and everything's going your way, but there is a process to that. Right. So then it took another four to six months, six wow. months-ish for us to finalize adoption. And that's the only, I, that was the last time I went to the Edelman court. And that's cool because yeah. that's when they go and they say, this, you're legally his parents. And that was amazing. And, Joe, and so I think I remember seeing that post. And this is why I knew that you um, had a foster child or that you had a, adopted. Because um, I remember seeing a picture of you guys. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that about Frank. Well, we couldn't. Oh, that's right. You couldn't put, put pictures up. Yeah. So we would tell people uh, right. that we saw that we're doing this thing, but you couldn't post anything public of yeah. our son right. or our, our, our foster son at that point. Yeah. And I have to shout out my daughter who is just so, I mean, she was brilliant this whole process. So she was three when we got him and we were trying to like minimize any trauma if in the event oh, that he sure. goes mm-hmm. back. So we were reluctant to say, this is your brother. So like, this is, we prepared her when we were going through classes. Like, we might get a baby friend. They may stay with us for a while. And she was so excited, right? And (laughs) it was, she was adorable. But she, she negotiated the complexity of that pretty well and handled it really well. So we were trying our best to like, we don't want to, we don't want to give trauma to our kid to be like, hey, now you don't have your sibling anymore, right? So, like, this is her baby friend. And then a while in, she was like, can I call him my brother? Mm. Like, she so badly wanted to say yeah. it. And then as we were, you know, it was going on, we're like, yes, you can say that. Oh, my gosh. But, like, she was amazing. 
Ugh. So yeah, she did very well and was very excited. And she would even try, like she would look at us, but put her arm around him and be like, hi, brother. <laughs> like, like, it's okay. She's you testing. Yeah, totally testing. <laughs> um, so then when we, we adopted him and then he was ours, like he was our son. Uh, and you know, and arguable. he was about two and a half or three or so? He was just before his second birthday. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was almost two. And I don't even know if he really knew what was up. Sure. But we've been very honest with him as best we can, mm-hmm. you know, to let him know that he was in his mommy's tummy and we have pictures of her. And then he came to us and his mommy loved him and we loved him and we were lucky enough to have him. And we are certain that there will be some pull someday for him to know more about her. So we maintain some contact. My wife does mostly. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm a wimp and have difficulty negotiating these complex (laughs) things. But so we uh, send pictures and stuff. But we also felt like for how young he is, it can't be about the adults. It has to be about him. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we know someday, but what we also know from her past is that this was her third child in the system. Mm. So she's in and out of their lives. Mm-hmm. And we just like, we don't want to like repeat or continue trauma. Right. You know, it's like when you have people, kids that have come from divorced families that their dad shows up every three years Right. And then gives them a toy. And then they're like, dad. And then leaves again. And they're like, dad, you know, like, don't want to do that, you know? So you maintain contact. Is it just sort of, do they actually see each other or is it? Okay. That's not our son. Okay. My wife and her have seen each other, Mm. but we just feel like it's too much. And that's up to you, but you have to somehow communicate it in a way that makes sense yeah so at this point we are not legally bound to have any contact Mm. we don't have to do anything right people i think they call it an open adoption which i understand and like a lot of people advocate for but it's just not that easy right you know like i think there needs to be some sort of boundaries and as well yeah and it can't again we can't make it about making the adults feel good it's got to be about the kids so it's tough. That, like, so the complexity continues, right? Right. But I mean, I feel like parenthood in general is like really tough. So this is just another part of the, that being difficult. It's a different complexity than a biological kid, but it's still, you know, because people, I think sometimes when they, they think about adoption of these unknowns and things, and it's like, well, in my wife and I's family, there's, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's bad genes, there's alcoholism mm-hmm. and, and depression and you know, and other health risks. Uh-huh. So like, you know, it's so like you're going to get this perfect child, right. you know, even if it's ours, right? And that link, while important, I think, I firmly believe like now, like I never have a doubt that child is 100% my son. Yeah. Like there's no, I don't treat him any different. So yeah. in some ways I probably, more effusive in some ways because he's my son, and like, that's just exciting for to have a dad and a son relationship. I love my daughter so mm-hmm. much, but like, there's things that like he <laughs> likes to do that I like to do. How old is he now? Five. Aw. And he's the best. He's he's a great kid. Yeah. So he's a different race than you guys. Yes. 
in the adoption system, what do they suggest? Do they do they say it's a good idea to adopt uh, somebody from? I mean, what what's the story? They, there's a whole class that right. talks about cross race adoption. It's oh, a, complicated. A class at the agency. Uh, yeah, when mm-hmm. when you're getting certified, that says like, hey, you know, you may not get a kid that's exactly like you, mm-hmm. and so having sensitivity to that and trying to be cognizant of cultural differences Mm -hmm. and all of that. So it continues to be a thing that we learn about and a thing that will get more complicated as he gets older. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've already had some complexities because of that, but trying to negotiate them as best we can. But like there are things that he's going to deal with as a young black man that I know nothing about and my wife knows nothing about. Yeah. So we we can't give him that stuff. So we're going to rely on friends and people that have experienced that sort of stuff and try to surround him with at least resources Mm -hmm. and relationships with people that can speak to that. You know, especially now, like just where we are in 2019, like there are times where you feel like, you know, young black men are... right. It's dangerous. It's more dangerous for them than maybe anybody else. Yeah. And so I get fearful about that. And I'll try to educate him, but I can't speak from experience. So like having friends that can help us. Yeah. And, you know, I think naturally, but again, so this sounds crazy because that happens, but it's going to get complex with my daughter when she's a teenager because shit gets complex. Yeah. When you have girls that are teenagers. Right. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it just kind of, for me, it rolls with it. There are some, you know, it's rolled into well, the responsibility. Do you feel like you get judgment from other people out there in the world? Like, um, I feel like there it was or is controversy out there about whether or not it's a good idea. I don't know. I'm experiencing it. I'm not looking at it as though and not this that is I different. Think it's a I'm bad Mr. Idea. Drummond. I think a child needs, needs a parent or two. Sure. <laughs> Whatever race they are. No, I can... I absolutely can understand why someone would ask the question and even say, like, who do you think you are to be able to do this thing? Right. Right? All I can say is I'm going to do my best. Yeah. It is controversial, I imagine, to some people. And But as you said, at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that this child needed a parent mm-hmm. or parents and we're doing the best that we can. Yeah. I will say, I think maybe I'm thinking about it because when I was trying to pick a sperm donor there was like do i pick somebody that looks like me so that i i look like my kid mm. or do i avoid having a you know a regular old little white boy <laughs> 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 and yeah. have somebody like i don't have to <laughs> yeah i don't know but well, it's interesting but, because you yeah i mean but I spoke with I spoke with somebody who was korean and she was like molly if you have like a little asian baby i'm I mean, I think she said she was going to be pissed off at me or something. Oh. And she was just saying, unless I raised them in the culture that they came from, sure. et cetera. And then I talked to another friend, who, a black guy, and he said, um, well, I think your kid's going to want to look like their one parent that they're going to have. And then I was like, oh, well, that, that kind of makes me feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And so I chose a guy that looked like me. Because, exactly like you? <laughs> yes. I think it was my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. Uh, (laughs) I can understand. I can understand that. 
but it's different for adopting, obviously, but I just sort of, there's a question of, of race and, and makes you question like me makes me question, why am I doing that? Am I a racist person or, Oh, well, it seems like you thought it through. I mean, I don't know where you're at as far as like, I mean, I'm definitely racist. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That's what I thought I was going to say. Like just judging by some of the art in your house, (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to go out on a limb here. I mean, talk about the most complex topics of all time, right? It's really difficult. And frankly, I don't know. I mean, I'm learning as I go. And I'm trying to be sensitive of it and like, and be cognizant of some of the things that he will encounter or already has. Yeah. People can quickly surmise what's up. Right. When I'm in the grocery store and I have a white daughter and a <laughs> and a black son. Like they can be like, "Oh, okay, you know, and he's calling me daddy." Like yeah. they can figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. But I see nothing else. I'm not in charge of what other people think. I'm in charge of my relationship with my kids and what and how I raise them. Yeah. So, I can't get caught up in all that. Having said that, I am responsible for preparing him for life. Yeah. And so I recognize my shortcomings in that regard. So I will have to resource mm-hmm. and outsource some of those things. Mm-hmm. And, but, but at your agency, they're, they're totally open to whatever. They don't, they don't push you one way or the other. No. Okay. I mean, I think they, they present the realities yeah. of it. But I mean, for the most part, they want to get kids. Parents. Yeah. In, in foster care and in adoption situations. So... It's like, I don't know, if there's an emergency situation and you're like, oh, I wish I had, you know, the flood. And you're like, I wish I had the other bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you're just, you're going to think about what you need in the moment. I think that they're viewing it as like this child needs, we need to find a, a situation for them. Yeah. I think there are some situations where they, they will look. I imagine they would. But the fact of the matter is, is at least in Los Angeles... The list of, you know, uh, Latinx and African American kids in the system, and the list of Latinx and American African American adoptive and foster parents is shorter. Right. So they have to go somewhere. Yeah. And you know, because a lot of there's a lot of adoption, international adoption, right? Yeah. Where we see a lot of kids from China and going to white families. So I don't know. I mean. I could see, in particular, someone of that race saying it would be better if they were with someone of their own race. Right. I could absolutely see that. There's nothing about some of these situations that's ideal, right? Right. You know? Yeah, it would be better that my parents didn't get divorced when I was seven. Parenting is a two-person job in some some ways. Mm -hmm. But things happen. And there were a fair amount of people that had cross-race adoptions and were single parents that came in. They brought in a lot of speakers. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really interesting. I want, I want to go. It's to fun. Classes. It was fun. Like, and some heartbreaking stories, but also some frigging adorable ones. Yeah. Like there was this perfect family, in my opinion. It was these two handsome, sweet gay men. They were, I think they were white or, you know, they looked European in some way. And these two kids, one kid was black and one kid was, uh, Latino, and they, I was like, "This is these people are so beautiful. Mm. Like, this is a perfect family. Like, it doesn't all have to be the same. Like, and they're actually at the agency. There's a picture of them on the wall. I'm like, that family is it's a good looking family. Yeah, you know, and they don't they don't all look the same. 
Yeah. So like, I also think it tests us to kind of expand what our definition of family is and what definition of child and parent parental relationship. Yeah. So I don't have the answers in that regard, but I also think I know I love my son Yeah. and I'm going to do the best I can and hopefully prepare him. But man, there are some curveballs that life is going to give us. And, you know, there's, there may be a possibility of, uh, <laughs> even greater curveballs for him because of who and what he is, which is a real bummer. Yeah. But I'm going to do my best. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about it and like he's, and he's been cognizant of it. Like he says, Oh, that person has brown skin. And like, so he knows Mm -hmm. we've done many things to try to, so he understands his differences, but also his similarities. Yeah. And right now actually he's in TK and he's, we're fortunate that he has a few kids that look like him, which is nice because yeah. in, in preschool there weren't oh. any, you know? Yeah. So he was like the only brown boy. Yeah. So it's nice to have other kids. I don't kids. know what TK is. Transitional kindergarten. Between pre and K? Yep. Wow. It's like kids who are a little younger on, mm-hmm. or need a little extra time, mm-hmm. like younger in the age spectrum mm-hmm. that are maybe turning five while the kindergarten while there are a lot of kids turn six when they're in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. There's so much that I want to ask you, but I don't feel like we have time because we're already over. How long is it? What time is it? Well, this has been recording for an hour and seven minutes. Oh, my God. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I have to meet somebody. Okay. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, it's okay. This is why I'm saying... Real quick? Uh, what? I was talking so much. No, you weren't talking too much, though. You were perfectly talking. Well, so I'm going to ask you questions another day because there's. <laughs> we can. I, I'm so sorry that I put. Oh it... no, no! It's Frank. Okay. <laughs> it's just a huge topic. That's all. It is a huge topic. Like another question I have is: Did any of this cost money? And another question I have is: What would you have done if he was all um, screwed up from t- drugs in utero? And it's just there's just so much. And questions you can't answer. That second question is too hard. <laughs> no. I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> but um, but I think we'll we'll leave it on where, where we had it. I'm and sorry that it's such an abrupt ending. I, it always happens with my podcast. Really? I was okay, like, oh, my God, I got to go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Then I don't feel bad. Um, but I, I can yeah. talk about it because it, it, for me, sorry to be so verbose, but it's... It's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. I have to say. It was it's terrifying and exhilarating and it easily the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. And you're doing a great job. Thank you. I'm assuming I haven't met your kid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rush to judgment. I might be really bad at but this. But it sounds like you've got a pretty beautiful family yourself. I like them. Yeah. I think they like me. It's pretty good. Oh, I, yeah. I I hope I do get to meet your kids sometime. I'll show you pictures. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Frank. My pleasure. Really appreciate it. Bye. (laughs) Well, shit, I really love that conversation, and I think that story's incredible, and I think Frank is such a wonderful guy. Frank, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing your story and being so open with me. Oh, it makes me feel... I'm just so honored that you would talk about all of this with me, so thank you. Thank you, listeners, for, you know, listening and rating and subscribing and reviewing all of it 
If you haven't done that yet, I mean, I've said this, I say that, I say this the same way every single week, but like, if you haven't done that yet, I think you're out of your fucking mind. You're still listening to this show, so why won't you just go and rate it and review it? I mean, I know there's got to be more of you because there's only like 300 ratings and like 100 and, or 150 reviews. And I mean, that's a lot. Don't get me wrong. But there's at least a couple thousand of you listening. So you got to get on it. All right. Okay. All you have to do is like write a fake name like um, Molly is so sexy. Uh, glass is sharp. Uh, Christmas is coming. Oh, what a night. Late December back in 69. That kind of thing. Then write something like, great show, makes my drive to work fly by. That's all you have to do. And then five stars. What do I have to do to get you to do it? Do I need to read the reviews on online? I mean, on, on the air? I'd love to read the reviews on air, but I, I would basically just be tooting my own horn, and that makes me feel like an asshole. Um, but here's one. Let's see. What's the last one? Here we go. Here's the latest. Let's see. Sperm cast. Okay, the last review I have, oh, okay, there's 377 uh, ratings, 366 of them are five stars, which is pretty fucking great, and there's 129 customer reviews. Here's the latest review, it says, came for the shrimps, stayed for the sperm, (laughs) that's funny. The Pistol Shrimps is my basketball team, if some of you don't know. And uh, the username is, oh, Marty loves Marty. Okay, this is an Amanda London, Matt Gorley fan. If you uh, listeners, you don't know, Amanda and her husband call each other Marty. So that's pretty cute. And, um, and the review says, Molly's incredibly brave, vulnerable, thoughtful, and funny. I'm a 31-year-old guy that doesn't want kids, but find it important to stay informed about family planning and women's issues and... And her, Amanda, and guests make this an informative must-listen. Wow. Thank you so much, Marty Loves Marty. Or is it Marty Loves Smarty? Hmm? (laughs) All right. Anyway, love you guys so much. Follow Spermcast on Instagram at Spermcast. Go to the website spermcastpod.com. Email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Text me at 323-741-1818 or leave a voicemail at 323-741-1818. Don't forget about extraordinaryfamilies.org if you're interested in the idea of fostering to adopt. Um, We all know where I am in my journey right now, but this is definitely something I'm considering for the future. Whether or not this leg of my journey works out, that seems like something I definitely want to do in the future. So very, very curious about that and so thankful to Frank for filling me in on some of that stuff. All right. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm, sperm cast. An Erio's original. Powered by Acast. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.